0: So you imperfect families, everybody, we can all agree that our families are imperfect, right? Uh, I think there are moments in life where those imperfections are highlighted. At least I know as a parent, I know several moments where my imperfection as a parent was highlighted. We've always joked with our kids, sort of half-jokingly, that one day they're going to write a book. And in that book is going to be all of the mistakes that we made. As parents, And so whenever we make a mistake, we just say, all right, just put it in your book, you know, write it in your book. And uh, we've done that several times, as I'm sure if you are a parent, you have as well. Uh, About, I don't know, about four or five months ago, we were um, in Birmingham, and and Mandy and the girls and her mom went to tea. It was part of their Christmas present. They went, uh, after the fact, they went and had tea and had a day, you know, just kind of a girl's day. And the boys and I went with her dad and... Basically went to Sam's. I don't remember what we did. It was you know we we just hung out for a little while and we all met up after it was over with in Warrior where my parents live at the exit there and we met at the gas station and so everybody got in their own vehicles and uh, we went to leave and we got I don't know about a mile and a half down the road and I look back and our dog his name is Pluto Pluto was sitting in Gracie's seat but Gracie was not there and so. I said, where's Gracie? And Timmy's sitting next to Gracie. I said, Timmy, where's Gracie? I don't know. We left Gracie at the gas station. What's bad is, I wish I could say that's the only time that's happened, but... (laughs) We've left Gracie at church a few times. I don't know what it is she's just she she's very, very cooperative, very you know, and and I guess she just kind of blends into the mix, but it was all my fault. I knew she had gone into the gas station, but in the commotion. uh there have been do <laughs> what? She keeps coming back. I don't know. I would. I think I'd find new parents if I were her. But, uh, you know, and I've had those moments with all of our kids. Uh, just reminds me of just how imperfect of a parent I am, and we all are. Uh, we have, and I don't know that this is good parenting either, but we've recently introduced our, our kids to, like, 80s and 90s country music just, you know, for the fun of it, obviously filtering some of that, you know, edit, editing uh, some of those songs. But uh, one of the things about country music is that uh, in, in the 90s especially, it seemed like they were competing on turning a phrase. And uh, one of, uh, you know, the things like, uh, sometimes you're the windshield, sometimes you're the bug, or sometimes you're the Louisville slugger, sometimes you're the ball. Um, And uh, one of my favorites uh, that I didn't know before we were listening to it is sometimes I make, every time I make my mark, somebody paints the wall. And that seems like parenting sometimes, right? You try to make your mark on your kids, you try to invest in them, and then they do something that shows you, man, it feels like I'm not making a difference at all, right? Or they're not listening to what I'm saying, or nothing's making an impact, and and it's an investment over the long haul. But all of this just highlights the fact that families are imperfect, and we are imperfect as parents. um, Kids are imperfect, and None of us should expect perfection, but we should strive for perfection. The goal is that we teach our kids to know Christ. First of all, our hearts should be that they know Christ and that they grow in Christ. And in order for that to happen, we have to model that. We have to model a relationship with Jesus Christ, understanding that we're imperfect God, Christ, is our perfection. And while we won't be perfect, we can be in the process of being perfected in Jesus Christ. So again, our goal is that we teach our kids to know Christ and to grow in Christ. That our children grow up to be independent of us but totally dependent upon God. That's what we want, right? We want them to know their Savior and to be dependent upon him. Adrian Rogers said this. He said, Parenting is like trying to hold onto a wet bar of soap. If you hold on too tight, it will slip out of your hands. I would add to that if you hold too loosely, it will slip out of your hands, right? And yes, I did just go from country music quoting to Adrian Rogers. I think that's the first time I've ever done that in a sermon. But, um, but, but it's true, right? I mean, there's a balance. There's a delicate balance. Holding on too tight can cause bad things. Holding on too loosely can cause bad things. Our goal should be, Lord, I want my children to know you. I want them to grow in you. And I want them to make an impact in our world for your kingdom. That should be our desire Um, So how how do we have the right grip on our kids? How do we maintain the proper grip? Well, we have to first give them to the Lord and trust them into his hands. Um, With every child that we had, um, there was a point at which I I verbally said, Lord, I'm giving them to you before they were born, uh, with the exception of Annie. And Annie was born. And I don't know why, um, but I, I didn't, you know, I, I guess with Gracie, first-time parent, I was, I was very conscious and, and aware and fearful. <laughs> with Timmy, first boy, I was, you know, the same kind of thing. But with Annie, I never did that. And, and when she was eight days old, she, was, uh, she caught strep. And it was not the strep that babies normally get. It was the strep that you and I would get, and it got in her bloodstream. And she was in children's hospital for 10 days. Um, it was very, very touchy there for a while. Um, and one day on the way to the hospital, God reminded me, I was driving to the hospital, I'd le- taken the other kids to the lady that kept them, and God reminded me on the road, while I was driving, you have not, you've not given her to me yet. I mean, she was already his, but in my heart, I had not submitted her to him and, and his, his care. And so uh, I pulled off the side of the road and had a few moments with the Lord where I just, uh, I submitted to him. Um, and so all of our kids, one of the first steps we have to, to take is to submit to God and to give them to him. Um, again, they're already his, but it's more of an act of submission on our part and trust him in his hands. This is the third part in our series, our Pick, Imperfect Families. Um, we're talking about uh, some biblical truths, um, some tools that we can use in our families uh, to be the families that we need to be in our homes, but also to strengthen ourselves as the family of God, which we need desperately right now under the circumstances that we have. We need to maintain strength in the family of God. And, and as I've said each week, this is, uh, this is obviously targeted toward the family, but there's something here for everybody, whether you're single, a widow, widower. Um, you're waiting on your spouse, you've been called to be single. There's something here for everybody because we're talking about the Bible and there are biblical truths that can be applied both in the context of the the family at home but in the the family, the body of Christ. And you know, you never know how God could use you to minister to a family. And so we're we're looking at, as Christians, we are called to make an impact for the Lord and we're all in some capacity, whether I have kids or not, uh, grandkids or children at church, We are called to make an impact in the lives of kids If we are a part of the family of God, then we are called to make an impact in children's lives We're going to learn some tools of parenting today, hopefully That will help us to be equipped and encouraged and that will allow us to be stronger in our homes And stronger in the family of God Uh, Remember what Dave Roper said, this is sort of our theme No one's home is so good that God is impressed by it and no one's home is so bad that God cannot set it right. All of our families are imperfect. Um, we're going to look today at Deuteronomy chapter four, verses four through six. You can turn there in your Bible if you haven't already. Um, we're looking at Deuteronomy chapter four, verses four through six. This is the Shema, what's called the Shema, which means to hear. It was basically John three sixteen to every Jew. Uh, they would recite it twice a day. And where we are in, in the Scripture today, what's happened in the nation of Israel in the life of Israel is that an entire generation of Israelites um, have been destroyed because of their own sin. Um, and now a new generation is coming up in the nation of Israel. A new generation is, being, is before Moses is, and is being dedicated to the Lord. It is a pivotal time in the nation, the history of the nation of Israel, where God's Word is being taught To this generation. And God's word is calling them, God Himself is calling them and us as we read it to the high privilege of parenting, family, and the home. And so if you look at verses four through six, it deals with the parents' relationship to God. If you look at verses seven through nine, it deals with the parents' relationship to the children. So we're going to start with verses four through six uh, as we begin our study together. Verse four, Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. So from that, let's look from our passage today at steps to becoming passionate parents. And what I mean by that is becoming the parents, passionately dedicating ourselves to the type, being the type of parents that God calls us to be. Uh, step number one, passionate parenting. The greatest importance is to know Jesus as personal Savior and Lord. To know Jesus as personal Savior and Lord. If you want to raise your family... Build the family that God wants to raise your children the way that God wants. The very first step is that I myself have to be a follower of Christ. I have to be saved. I have to be in a relationship with him. Look at verse 4 again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God. The Lord is one, our God, a personal relationship. The Bible declares there is one true God, but also that phrase, our God. He wants you to have a personal relationship with him. God created you and me to know him, to enjoy him, to be known by him. And of course, sin disrupted that relationship and, and severed that relationship. But thankfully, Jesus Christ, God became flesh. He lived a sinless life. He died on the cross. He was raised from the dead. And now, if we will trust in him, if we will put our faith in him and receive salvation, that relationship that was broken by sin can once again be reconnected. We all have to make a personal decision to follow Christ. Jesus offers salvation. He is the only way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father except by him. He is the way to be saved. And he offers salvation to everyone, but we have to make a personal decision. I have to make a decision to follow him. And as a parent, if I'm going to be the type of parent that God has called me to be, then the first step is that I have to know him. I have to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. Jesus wants you, wants to give you in your family his purpose and his power in your life individually, but also in your family and in parenting. We can't do it on our own. I share with you uh, one example of the many times I have failed as a parent. And I'm sure there are going to be a whole lot more before it's all said and done. I can't do it on my own. Mandy and I, as great of a a team as I believe we are and as wonderful of a wife as she is and mother as she is, she would tell you the same thing. We cannot do it on our own. God wants to give you his power for your life and for parenting. This is just the first step though. You have to first, you must first be a child of God in order to bring your child to God. That's step number one. Step number two, passionate parenting. Once you know Christ, Give yourself totally to loving God. Dedicate your life to loving your creator. And it needs to be reflected in everything that you do in your entire life. Let's look at verses 5 and 6 again. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. These words which I am commanding you today shall be on your heart. Once we're saved, we become disciples of Christ. We are committed. We should be committed to him, to living for him. And part of that should be that we fall deeper in love with Jesus every single day. That we It's evident in our lives that we're going deeper each day. In our relationship with him, in our time with him, in our study of his word, in our lifestyle, it should be reflected in the way that we live. And our kids need to see that. They need to see that we are in love with Christ and that we are going deeper with him. These words are to be deep in your heart, the scripture says. We're to go deeper and further with God, and then we are to, be, we are to obey him. You cannot separate loving God from obeying God. I mean, if we love him, we will keep his commandments. And so the two go together. If we love God, we will obey him. And our children will know if that's consistent in our lives. If we say we love him and if they see us obeying him. None of us are perfect. This means I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. But we should have a deep love for God. And we should obey him with our lives. We all want right living in our homes. Is that a fair statement? That we want our families, our children, our spouse to live right we want peace, we want right living in our homes. However, this highlights the fact that before there is right living, there must be right loving. Before there is right living in my home, there must be right loving. Verse 5, love the Lord your God. In Matthew chapter 22, when Jesus was asked what's the greatest commandment, this is what he quoted. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, with everything that you have, everything that you are. And so if I want right living in my home, I've got to love the Lord my God with all my heart, soul, and strength. Everything. Our children need to see how much we really love the Lord. Now, bear with me with this analogy. This is the difference between falling in love and going to a movie that is a love story. What do I mean by that? If I go to a movie... I can sit down and watch two people fall in love. I can be touched emotionally to the point to where I cry even, right? I can get, I can get emotionally wrapped up in that story, and, and it can affect me in that sense. However, if I fall in love, it totally changes my life, right? And so what our kids need to see in us is not a 75-minute movie on Sunday morning where we say we love God, They need to see that we have fallen in love with Christ, that it has completely changed our lives, that it affects everything that we do, that we are intentional about teaching our kids, but our lives reflect what we say we believe. So do your children, question for all of us, myself included, do our children, does my children, do they see that every day in my life that I truly do love my Creator, that I love Jesus with all my heart, soul, and strength? Can they say, I see my parents' commitment to their Lord, to their church, in their lives as they serve the Lord, as they share the gospel, as they uh, serve in the context of the church, but in their daily lives, as they go about their lives? Do our children see in our lives that we really do love Jesus? Does what we say we believe match how we live? None of us are perfect parents, but God wants us to go deeper. And my goal, hear me, my goal in in life for my kids really is three things. Number one, that they know I love Jesus. Number two, that they know I love their mother. And number three, that they know I love them. Because I figure if I cover those three bases, leaving Gracie at the gas station will wash out in the end. (laughs) Things like that. I mean, because they're going to have a foundation that will stay. Uh, love God, love your spouse, and love your kids. And that has to be evident in in your entire life for all of us. Um, It starts with our hearts, though. It starts with the relationship with Christ and our love for him. Uh, You know, when you fly, you can always tell people that have flown before, right? Because when the stewardess begins uh, to go over the instructions, they're not paying attention at all. And I've flown enough to where I'm guilty of that. Um, But I remember the first time we flew... Uh, Right after Gracie was born, the first time we flew with her, she was very small. And the the stewardess began to go over the instructions. And I remember, and I guess I'd paid attention to this before, but the the instruction, if the the oxygen masks fall, if you have small kids with you, put yours on first before you put on the mask of your small child. Have you ever heard that? Been on a plane? Well, the first time I heard that, I thought, well, that's nuts. I'm going to take care of my child first until I understood the reason behind it. If I'm passed out, I can't help my child. If I am unconscious, I can't help her. Well, the same is true spiritually. If I'm unconscious spiritually, I can't help my family. If I don't know Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I'm not living for him in my life, then I can't teach them. I I have to come to the Lord before I can bring my children to the Lord. I have to know him and be growing in him. I have to be conscious spiritually. Awake, alive, growing, going deeper. Verses 4 through 6 talk about our relationship to God. Verses 7 through 9 talk about our relationship to our children. So let's move on to the next step. Step number three, passionate parenting. We intentionally and verbally tell our children about God. We intentionally and verbally teach our children about their Creator. Look at verse 7. You shall teach them diligently, to your sons and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way when you're active and then when you lie down when you're just being just living life even when you're relaxing socially vacation whatever around the house and then when you rise up when you're going about your daily life the bible is is crystal clear the re- responsibility for your child, for my children's spiritual growth, does not fall on the church. It falls on me as a parent. Now, we should have and do have great ministries for our children, for our youth. But the responsibility of my child's, my children's spiritual growth is on me and my wife. It's on us. It's on me as the spiritual leader of our homes, going back to the roles. And it's on my wife as we are a team working together teaching our kids, living for the Lord, and teaching our kids about Christ. This speaks, this, these verses speak, this verse particular speaks of intentional, planned, structured teaching about God and his word. We, so what do we teach? Well, we want them to know God and love God. And don't get me wrong; we have a responsibility to do that in our church. And there's a warning here, okay? Because I can't tell you. And we have unity in our church right now, and I'm thankful for that, okay? So if you're visiting, you're, if you're watching, know that that we we have a wonderful united spirit in our church. But I can't tell you how many adults that I've talked to who tell me the reason, and you know, it's an excuse, but it's still it's reality. The reason they don't attend church today is because when they were growing up, they watched their parents and other church members fighting, fighting over music, fighting over whatever. And so now they were, they're were they so injured by that, they don't want to darken the doors of a church. And so for us, there's a warning here that, that we shouldn't, shouldn't do anything to cause dissension in the body of Christ if for no other reason because of the impact that it could have on our children. Um, there are little eyes that watch us everything we may not realize it but as adults serving in the church so whether you're a parent or not there are little eyes watching you and me all the time how do we conduct ourselves how do we relate to one another do we truly love each other you know yes the world will know that we are disciples by our love for each other but so will our children i mean that's the greatest evangelistic field we have is our home and so we we should love one another but we should love god Um, and and are dedicated ourselves to Him and fulfilling His purpose in the body of Christ. So there's a warning there, um, and we are responsible for teaching our children uh, in this church, the children that God has placed in our church. Um, But right now, we are reminded we can't do children's ministry like we normally do right now, or youth ministry, or any ministry, really, for that matter. And so right now, we are reminded in a very unique way that the primary responsibility for teaching our kids is in the home. Parents teaching their children about Christ, about the Lord. Parents have the greatest responsibility. Look at that word, diligently. This speaks of intentional teaching, intentionally teaching our ki- children. Church is not a substitute for parents. We have to intentionally teach our children about Christ. Now, I want you to think of it this way. Um, I, my... My two youngest are avid rock collectors. <laughs> we, were, we were camping for a couple of days this week and hiking, and this is, one of the, this is one of the prizes we brought back. One of the kids uh, brought back a rock, um, and so it was in my truck. Now, bear with me. Just imagine that this is a very large rock and that I am going to carve something out of it. I would never know how to do that, wouldn't know where to begin. And yes, I know this is a wood chisel, but y'all bear with me. My supplies were limited, all right? Now, if I am a sculptor and I'm going to sculpt this rock, before I ever strike the rock, I'm going to plan where and how hard I'm going to strike it, right? Because if I knew how to do this, I would know how to go about doing it. And every strike, it's not just going to be willy-nilly, because what's going to happen if I do that? I'm going to destroy the rock, all right? So I'm going to carefully plan every strike, on this rock. That's what this verse is teaching us about parenting, is that we don't just willy-nilly go about it, hey, let's just fly by the seat of our pants. It is that I'm carefully sculpting my kids with God's Word, that I'm intentionally teaching them about God, and that we're intentionally injecting it into our everyday lives as parents, into our families, into our homes. It is speaking of diligently, intentionally teaching. Now, one of the ways we do this is Bible study. Now, we've used I don't know how many different Bible studies for the family over the years, and there are tons. If you have the Bible app on your phone or your tablet, there's a, there's a, there are a ton of resources there for family Bible studies. Great for little kids. Some of them have videos for the little, little kids, but, but this past year, we've been using our CBR journal. This is very, it's so easy. You know, some people, maybe they don't do their Bible study with their family because they think it's too hard. Let me tell you what we do at night, because I've got a 14-year-old and I have a six-year-old. I got that right, right? Another example of my imperfect parenting. I can't remember their ages, but, um, but I have a 14-year-old and a six-year-old, so, you know, that's kind of a broad, a broad range. So what we do is we take our CBR journal, and I don't read the entire chapter, I pick a few verses in advance that I want to read. We read those verses, we talk about those verses, we go through the acts, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication, we talk about how it applies to our lives, and then we pray. It's not rocket science. It's not, we're not going into some deep uh, study on revelation on the, on the plagues and the beasts and Revel- I mean it's, it, it's not what we're talking about here, all right. We're talking about a Bible study that hopefully each of them can gain something from. Very simple. Um, Just a few verses of Scripture and then take time to talk about what it means. And then, of course, our kids need to see us living it every day. Bottom line, any parent can do this. If you're not doing a Bible study with your kids, start there. Start simple and begin doing a Bible study with your children. In addition to structured intentional teaching, there's also informal talking. Verse 7, you will talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk, when you're active, and when you lie down and rise up all day long. So intentionally teaching them, but injecting Jesus into your home. With every opportunity. That's what this is talking about. As we know Christ and grow in Him, He, Jesus, just becomes a normal part of our everyday existence. We spontaneously inject Him into every part of our lives. um, Regardless of what we're doing. We we inject Christ. God's Word has to be in our hearts. Remember verse 6. Because if we're going to inject it into our lives, intentionally teaching, making Him a part of our everyday lives, it has to be in our heart first. If it's not then it's not going to come out of us. Y'all remember uh, Angry Birds? I mean, so I guess it still exists in some form. Um, but I, around 2009, I think it came out. And, and it, man, it, was, it just took off, right? I mean, it just went crazy. It was At one point, um, the revenue on this thing was like $100 million. I want to make sure I get $106 million in 2011. I mean, throwing birds at pigs. And and my kids, I mean, they could. Annie was two years old. Um, at one point, I mean, in 2014, she could play Angry Birds. She, you know, she, she couldn't read yet, but she could play Angry Birds. And listen, there's nothing wrong. I mean, it's a pretty cool concept, you know, throwing birds at pigs. It's fun, right? But but it, there was a study that came out during that time that showed that more children knew how to play Angry Birds than knew how to tie their own shoes. I mean, you know, because, like I said, Annie's two years old. She's, she's, she knows how to play Angry Birds. Here's the study. 14% of children between four and five knew how to tie their shoes and 21% could play Angry Birds. Now, it's okay for your children to play Angry Birds. I'm not, this isn't an anti-Angry Birds message. And we should also teach our kids how to tie their shoes, right? Or they could go Velcro their whole lives. I mean, they may have trouble in college, but you, we should teach our kids things like that. But you know what we really need to do? We need to make sure that we intentionally teach our children the Word of God. If I can teach my child how to play Angry Birds and tie their shoes, well, I better teach them about Jesus. Intentionally from His Word, but in my life, in our lives. He needs to be a part of everything that we do, loving Him with all that we are and with all that we have. Look at the last step, verses 8 and 9. Passionate parenting. Visually show Christ through our lifestyle. We visually show Christ through our lifestyle, which is surrendered to God's Word. It is surrendered. Our lifestyle is surrendered to God's word. Look at verse 8. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be frontals on your forehead. Now, there were some Israelites that took this literally. They would actually attach a little box. They would attach God's word to their wrists, and then they would put them on their forehead. And, of course, this represents, my hand represents what I do, my actions, And my mind represents what I think. My head represents what I think. So it's talking about my actions and my thoughts being controlled by the Word of God. Everything that I think, everything that I do is controlled by God's Word. That's the significance here. Now look at verse 9. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and your gates. Again, some Jews would take this literally. Some Jewish people still do this. You might see a little box next to their door. They would take a cylinder in the biblical times, they would place Scripture in it, and they would nail it to their front door or next to their front door. And the the symbolism, the significance here is that as I come into my house, while I'm in my house, and as I leave my house, God's Word is always in front of me. I'm led by God's Word. So my actions and my thoughts, and as I come and go inside my home, outside my home, God's Word is always before me. I'm always; It is always present. I'm putting it in my heart. I'm memorizing it. I'm ingesting the Word of God, feeding on the Word of God, and it controls everything that I do. And as a parent, it is so vitally important that we do this for ourselves but for our children. We have the privilege of loving Christ before the greatest audience that we will ever have. Our children or grandchildren, if you have grandchildren, loving Jesus before them with our lives. They need to know that what we say we believe is real in our lives. It doesn't matter what we say if we don't back it up with how we live. Another Adrian Rogers quote, Faith begins at home. Adrian Rogers said this. He said, If you can live for Jesus at home, you can live for Jesus anywhere. But if you can't live for Jesus at home, listen to this, it doesn't matter if you live for Jesus anywhere else. If you don't live for Christ at home, it doesn't matter what you do for Him outside of your home. God entrusts us with our children, grandchildren, the children in church that we have influence over, and we need to teach them about Christ. We do it at home. And if we don't do it at home, it doesn't matter if we do it at work or anywhere else, but we do it in all of our lives. Our children need to see us not as perfect people. doesn't matter. We're all imperfect. They need to see us not as perfect people, but as people who sincerely love Jesus Christ with all of our hearts, with all of our souls, with all of our strength, with everything that we are and everything that we have. We need to be believable believers. There's a story, a defense lawyer by the name of Harvey Stovas in New York City. A study came out uh, several years ago, sometime around 2008, I believe. And the study showed that people who wore glasses, thick-rimmed specifically glasses, looked more believable. So this defense attorney began to have his clients wear glasses while they were in court so that they looked more believable. And I started to think about this. I'm a parent. I want my kids to believe me. So I looked around for some glasses. I couldn't find thick rim glasses, but I I got these. So what do you think, kids? Do I look more believable? What do y'all think? Is this a look for me? It's definitely prescription, because I can't see anything but blurs right now. But my kid, you like it, Annie? Annie was laughing, she likes it. You think I look more believable? Yeah, you're just being nice. Because I got news for you. There's nothing you can put on physically to make you more believable to your children. What will make them believe you is if what you say you believe is backed by how you live. Bottom line. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what I put on, whether it's something physical or I'm putting on airs, I'm acting like I believe. If I go to church, they're looking at us to see if this Jesus thing's real, if it's really made an impact in my life. We go to church every Sunday, we sing, we we listen to the preacher, we go to Sunday school usually (laughs) under normal circumstances, but is it lived out every day? Am I putting on Christ every single day? Is he in control of my life? Am I living for him? There's nothing that we can put on the outside. It has to be a part of who we are. Here's some practical tools to be believable believers. I don't think this is in your notes, but you can write it down if you miss it. Talk to me later, and I'll be happy to share it with you. Practical tools to be believable believers as parents. Number one, entreat. We have to entreat God. We pray, and we depend on God every day. Second, we enhance. We have to enhance our children by having strong standards that we will not compromise. We have rules that are reasonable for our kids, and we ask them to follow those rules. We discipline with firmness fairness and fondness the three f's we discipline firm but we discipline fair and we discipline them with love with fondness next is environment we want to have an environment of enjoyment and involvement in our homes enjoyment there must be enjoyment in the homes and we we if we're guilty of anything in our home and i think the kids would tell you we, we probably have too much fun right? I mean, we, we, Mandy, you know, we we budget too much for for fun activities, maybe, during the year. We probably should save a little more, but we would rather have fun. We figure we'll have those memories. We may be in the poor house. I'm going to move in with Gracie when I get old, but um, then she'll leave me at the gas station just to get me back. But we have a good time, I think. I mean, we have fun. But, you know, you have to be intentional as well. Um, There's enjoyment, but there has to be involvement. There's no substitute for your presence, You've got to be there for your family. Involvement with your children. Spending time with your kids. And then there's encouragement. We should build our children up and encourage them. Think, about your, think of your kids as a bank account. If all I'm doing is withdrawing, putting them down, then they're going to go bankrupt emotionally and spiritually. But I need to invest. I need to deposit encouragement into the lives of my kids. Endurance is the next thing. There's encouragement, then there's endurance. Parenting requires endurance. Endurance, amen? You got to endure. It's tough. Parenting's hard. I shared one mistake. I could share several, and there are times where, man, you know, one of my favorite shows is the Andy Griffith show, and Andy always seems to have the right thing to say to Opie, and I heard him say one time in an interview, I wish I would have been that good of a parent with my own kids, because it was scripted. We, We don't have a script. We've got the Bible, yes, but in everyday life, you know, we, we don't, we're not reading from a script every day. We don't have it pre-planned for us. You face situations and you, you, sometimes you mess up because we're imperfect, but you endure. Sometimes your kids do things that make you want to bang your head against the wall or bang their head against the wall, but you endure. Don't recommend that, but we endure. Parenting requires endurance and trust. We entrust our kids to Christ because of Jesus and his gospel. We have the freedom to admit that we're not perfect and we'll never be, and we're going to make mistakes, but thankfully, Jesus is our perfection. And remember, when I first started this, we are giving our kids to Christ. They are His. We are entrusting them to Him. Last last week, we were up at the church. Family was up here. And- we noticed a bird, or the kids did. I, I got there after they did, and, and we, there was a bird out back, and Gracie said it's a killdeer. I'm trusting her. I didn't actually research it. Uh, she said the name of the bird is a killdeer, and there's a picture up there. If you can see, you can't really see. Uh, this bird was right out here, right out behind the building, out behind the education building, um, and it was sitting there, just sitting there, and we didn't really understand why, And if you look very carefully, I can show you the picture later, there are a couple of eggs underneath that bird. And again, Gracie's my source here. A killdeer will build the nest in the ground and and put put their eggs, lay their eggs there. And this bird was protecting her eggs. Let me show you what happened. Mandy videoed this. What happened when probably unwisely uh, the kids, she and the kids got too close to the bird. Okay. Okay, mama bird's not too happy, right? It's an amazing example. God, think about this. Think about this for a minute, okay? God placed in the heart of that bird a passion and a desire to build a home for her babies and to protect her babies. None of us are perfect parents. Never will be. But we're told in Matthew that we are more valuable than the birds. And if God can give that bird the ability to provide a home for and to protect her children, how much more can he give us a heart and a passion and a desire to build the type of home he wants for our children and to protect our children? They belong to him, and we have to belong to him. But if we do that, then he will give us the ability. But unless God builds my house, it's not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. He has to build it, and that begins with a relationship with Christ. So wherever you are, at home, here, my first question for you is, do you know Christ as Lord and Savior? Do you belong to him? If not, I want to hear from you, all right? You can ask him into your heart right now. Just confess your sins to him, believe that he died for you, and ask him to come into your life and forgive you. But you can, you can contact us. There's going to be a slide. If you're watching from home, worshiping from home, there's a slide that's going to come up. If you're here today, that same email address, info at wallhighway.com. Email me, and we'll start that conversation. If you're struggling at home, listen, I'm talking about the perfect scenario, but hear me, okay? I know that there are some families and there are some parents. You're doing everything that you can to provide the home for your kids that they need. And some kids, no matter how good the parents are, some kids make bad decisions. I wish I could make every decision for my kids most of the time. But I understand fully that they may grow up and they may make poor decisions. I did as a child, as a teenager. And I pray for my kids every day. So if you're hurting If your family, if you're you're sitting there watching this and, hey, Pastor, that's great, but my family's a mess right now, I want to hear from you. We want to help you. We want to love you. We want to help provide the support that you need to build the home that God desires. We want to minister to you. So so wherever you are, we're just going to spend a few moments in prayer today, all right? If there's a decision you, you want information about the church, if you want help as a family, if you want to know Jesus, then I want to hear from you, all right? You contact me, info at wallhighway.com. But for all of us, wherever we, whether we have a family or we're in a church family or we're grandparents or whatever, waiting to have a family, let's just spend a few moments before the Lord. And when I get done with this time of prayer, I'm going to share a few announcements with you and then we'll dismiss, okay? Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today. We recognize that we are all imperfect at best. None of us are perfect parents. None of us are perfect grandparents. Serving in the church, influencing children, none of us are perfect. But you, Jesus, are our perfection. And in order for that to happen, in order for you to work in our lives, we have to first give our lives to you. We have to trust in you as Lord and Savior. And I pray that if there's somebody here today or somebody watching at home that doesn't know you as Lord and Savior, that they would cry out to you right now in this moment. Confess that they, like all of us, have sinned and fallen short of your glory. That they believe that you are Lord and Savior. That you died on the cross, Jesus, to pay the price for our sins that we could not pay. And that you were raised from the dead. You are alive today. And I pray that they would give their lives to you. And accept the free gift of salvation that you offer. Passionate parenting begins with giving our lives to you but there are other steps along the way we live for you daily we teach your word we live consistently we submit to you and lord if there's someone out there today struggling here or watching that's struggling i pray that they would reach out and allow us to support them and minister to them there may be other decisions you're leading people to make, and I pray the same that you would give them the boldness and the courage to reach out to us and help so that we can counsel them and how to, to take the next steps to follow you. But for all of us, Lord, whether we are parents or not, wherever we are in life's journey and the, the journey that you've called us to take, I pray that we would submit ourselves to you completely, that we truly would love you with all of our hearts, with our soul, with our strength, with everything that we are and everything that we have, and that we would live each day to please you, to glorify your name and to fulfill your purpose in our lives and experience as a result your power and your strength in and through us every day. And for those of us who are parents, who have a family, God, give us the strength. Help us to be wise enough to submit to you and give us the strength and the courage to shape our children, to teach them intently and intentionally about your word, to inject you into every part of our lives and to live for you in front of them so that they can see what being a follower of Christ is all about. Lord, I thank you for your grace. We know that we need your grace to be the parents you've called us to be. And I thank you for your grace. And I pray this, all of this, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to mention um, this, of course, is our time of commitment. It's what it's going to look like for a little while. And, and this is the time we would also have our offerings. If you're here today and, and uh, you want to give offerings, you can do it. There's white boxes on the walls in the back. Um, there will be also, uh, we'll have ushers standing at the door with offering plates in the children's building. If you're over in the children's building, uh, there will be someone there to collect offering. Uh, and if you're at home, of course, we still have our online giving up and going. We have uh, the, a slide that right up up right now that will show you how to do that if you haven't. Um, also, you can mail the address for the church. Another slide will come up with that on there. You can mail your offering if you're still worshiping from home, your tithes. Um, or you can use your online bill pay. And so those, all, those options are still available. Again, if you're a visitor at home, present with us today, I would love to spend some time with you. Info at wallhighway.com. We'll set up a Zoom meeting, get to know each other a little bit. I can share with you, with you some information about the church. Um, also, I want to remind everybody we've been doing this since we started uh, worshiping from home and we're continuing to do it as we come back. There is a discussion guide on the website uh, along with the sermon notes. You can download that. I'm encouraging you to to take that and use that. Uh, maybe that could be your Bible study for tonight, okay, as a family. Um, take that discussion guide and use it in your family to discuss the message from the day. Um, we're continuing to have to sign up. Uh, we've Had a few more folks here this week. Hopefully, we'll continue to have folks come back as we move forward. But uh, even if you've signed up for this week's service, you need to sign up every week, all right? We've got to know how many we've got, have an estimate of how many we have coming, so we'll know what we need in terms of seating and overflow. So let me just encourage you. There'll be a a flock note message sent out this week with the link, just like last week. You can go on the website and do that. Just make sure you sign up for next week's service. Uh, Something that we're going to do next Sunday night... Uh, we've talked about it in staff meeting. We're trying to figure out a way to, uh, to have a fellowship together, uh, social distancing. So next Sunday night, we're going to have a picnic out on the lawn, okay? Um, just for anybody that wants to come. You've got to stay with your family. We're going to maintain six feet. Whatever you want to eat, you've got to bring. We're not serving food. We can't do that yet. Um, so you can, uh, you can bring a little grill and grill something or you know, tailgate, or you can do like we're probably going to do and go buy something and bring it. Take out. All right, so we're just probably 5 o'clock. We'll send out the time. I think we're thinking 5 o'clock out on the lawn. Uh, just whoever wants to come. Again, sit with your family, stay with your family. We'll maintain a six-feet distance between families. We're just going to have a time to kind of hang out. Uh, nothing, no, no agenda other than maybe just get a chance to fellowship when we haven't in a while, all right? So you'll get some more information about that uh, through Flock Notes this week, all right? Um, when, we, when we do release today... Uh, Same as last week, whether you're in the children's building or here, wait for the ushers to release you. They will release you back to front um, and one family at a time. One thing that we just need to be careful of, I want you to have the opportunity to fellowship, but fellowship in the parking lot, okay? We had a little bit of a bottleneck, I think, once last week, so just move on out of the building. Uh, Let's get everybody outside, and then you can fellowship all you want outside. You can hang out and spend some time together. I, just let me tell you how, how excited I am that we are moving back uh, to a meeting together uh, with, a, with a full group every week. I pray that we'll progress. We need to continue to be safe. We're going to continue to follow the guidelines. And we need to continue to pray for God's wisdom as we move in this direction and for his protection over our church family, our own families, but but everybody, all all folks that are moving back into uh, releasing these social distancing guidelines. Thank you for being here today. I pray that you have a great Memorial Day weekend, and God bless you. You are dismissed.